0: Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, and I'm Sean. I'm your guest host today. I want to say thanks to everyone who's been listening, either on the radio or on our podcast forums, and today we have a great guest. Uh, Her name is Kim Peacock. Kim's story is one of grief, one of trials, and one of God taking her through immense pain, but giving her victory on the other side. And Kim, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Sean, for having me.
0: It's probably one of the hardest questions to answer, but it's also one we'll we'll get out of the way. Your life changed dramatically one night. Can you tell people what was that event that happened in your life?
1: Sure. Prior to December 28, 1998, our family was just this normal blended family. But then we went on a family vacation. And that day we went to Pismo Beach, California. And while we were riding quads and four wheelers on the beach, my daughter Nicole got disoriented and went off a cliff and we witnessed the accident that took her life. And my husband gave her CPR. We took her to the emergency room, but the Lord took her home that day. And that instant, that thing that happened to us is the thing that changed the trajectory of our family, our lives, challenged everything we had ever believed.
0: God, probably at that moment, didn't seem that he was there and he was real in your life, but he was there and he helped you through not just that moment, but the moments to come.
1: Yes. At the time, I couldn't feel him. And at the time I felt hopeless, but looking back and even as I started walking through our grief journey, I could feel him really just carrying me. I could feel him even when I was angry at him, even when I didn't understand, even when I wasn't seeking him, I could just feel him picking me up, wrapping his arms around me and carrying me because I will tell you, I am the biggest wimp in the world and I should not have survived that. But because of God, I did survive it. Not only survived it, he has made beautiful things out of our story. One
0: of the beautiful things is you have been able to be a resource for others who are gone through it. When this happened to your family with Nicole's tragic passing, you probably didn't have the resources that you're able to offer others now.
1: No, I didn't. And I did have a few people, parents who we met that were gracious and would come to us and I would grab onto them like a lifeline. But I scoured books. I scoured every resource that I could find, but I I needed kind of a guidebook. And that's why after Nicole passed away, I felt God compelling me to write it, to write it, to show that these grieving, devastated people are going to make it because I didn't feel like I could make it.
0: So the book, It's called Victorious Heart. Tell me, where does that title come from?
1: Well, a few days after Nicole passed away, a friend of mine gave us a bookmark, and it had Nicole's name at the top, and then it said Victorious Heart, the meaning of her name. And I did not feel victorious. I did not feel brave. But that word, victorious, kind of stuck with me. And I felt like I needed to make that my mantra. I needed that to be what encouraged me, because Victorious Heart completely describes Nicole's life just the person that she was here on earth. At first it was to honor her life, but then it grew into, I wanted to honor the gift of life that God has given me. And so that's why Victoria's Heart. There you go. So we talked a little bit about it, but this must have been an incredible emotional
0: wrestling match with God because you are a person of faith and to have a tragedy happen. And we sometimes in this world, we think nothing bad happens to people who are followers of Christ, but that's not true. Okay. There there are bad things that happen and it, it causes us to question.
1: It did. It did cause me to question. It caused me to wrestle. I had to decide if what I said before... Nicole died about God, if I really believed that, if that was really true. And a lot of Christians don't believe, or I should say, some Christians don't believe that if you grieve, that you have faith. But I don't believe that's true because in First Thessalonians, it talks about grief and how we can grieve with hope. And so that's what God showed me through that. That yes, grief is real, grief is hard. Grief is just the outpouring of missing someone of missing somebody dear to you here on earth and grief is part of this broken world that we live in. So I reconciled that he did love me. Like I said earlier, he carried me and he actually went from being just a being, but to to my lifeline. He became my very lifeline. And my my faith was able to deepen because of my sorrow.
0: So you're married, you lose a daughter. This must have been an incredible journey for you and your husband to walk out. Talk a little bit about that.
1: It really was. Early on, our pastor had told us that we needed to really be mindful of our marriage because he told us at the time that step 75% of marriages that lose a child end up in divorce. So we were very conscious of that. But one thing we realized in the beginning that our grief was different. It was almost parallel. We walked together, but because he witnessed Nicole close up, he gave her CPR. He saw things that I didn't see. And I think the Lord protected me from that. Even though I saw from a distance, I wasn't close up. And so what we learned, too, is him out of being protective of my heart, he didn't talk about the particulars of that, but he did need to process. So he would talk to our pastor, um, my brother-in-law is an RN, so he would talk to him about those things. But our grief was more parallel, and we had to learn to give each other space to grieve in our own particular ways. It was a challenge having having the other kids. We had to be cognizant of their needs, and they all grieved in different ways as well.
0: We are all unique individuals, and- Mm-hmm. The grief process, people want to think it's a one size fits all, but it's not. So talk a little bit to, to parents who are out there about the parenting that you had to learn because you had to learn to parent a whole different way after the loss of Nicole.
1: I think one of the main things that we learned and we had to grow now, I didn't do everything perfectly. I wish that we could go back and do some of the things differently, but was to realize that each child grieved in a different way. We had Lisa, who was only a year younger than Nicole. And she was Nicole's best friend. And so they shared a room. So we had to go through different things with her. And I had to talk to her in a different way than Megan, who was 11, who actually witnessed the accident. And so Megan, we had to really talk to her and just be there for them. And then our youngest Alex, we had just adopted him a year earlier from Russia. So he was just getting used to everything. And for him, we had to make sure that he understood that he was safe that he was going to be okay, and just everything for him was practical. But I would say most of all, understand that they each grieve in a different way, and be just watch them and listen. Ask some questions, but sometimes they're not going to want to talk, and that's okay. You just be there for them.
0: As parents, it's the hardest thing to do. I'm a codependent, so I I like to fix the thing right away that's hurting somebody, and to Mm -hmm. not be able to do that must have been a trial of its own to go through.
1: It was a struggle. I wanted to fix, especially Megan, who was 11. I mean, 11 years old, seeing what she saw, experiencing that I wanted to fix it for her. But what I had to come to learn is she had her grief journey as well. And some of it was bumpy and it was hard for her, but now is flourishing. But just during that time, you can't fix it for them.
0: So before this, were you a writer, Kim, or what inspired you to actually pen this book, Victoria's Heart?
1: I've always written in a journal, every day, always, but I um, never thought I would be a writer. But I really, when this happened, I just felt like that God gave me the words. He literally helped me write this book. I totally believe it was his words, his prompting, his compelling, because I felt like he wanted me to encourage others. You know, the word encourage means to give courage. Well, I sure didn't. When Nicole passed away, I did not feel courageous. I felt like the weakest, wimpiest person around. But then Joshua 1, nine kept coming to mind. Be strong and courageous. That word be, but but we do that because God is with us. That word be implies that I had a choice. I had a choice to be strong. I had a choice to follow the prompting to write the book because I did not want to write about this. I didn't want to write about the accident. I didn't want to write about those things, but I could choose to be brave because God was with me. And then in turn, I could encourage others to be brave only in God's strength. Because again, I'm the biggest wimp in the world. But he gave me courage, and then that gave, uh, and that I wanted to pass on to other people.
0: And in the book, and with your friends, I'm sure there's advice that maybe you didn't receive when you were going through this process. How does that, you know, affect you? As you know, that you're 20 years removed from the beginning of the story, but the story never really quite ends. Mm-hmm. What advice have you been able to give to your friends and family who who want to know more about? the grief journey that you've been through?
1: I would definitely say to understand that grief is not a linear journey. And I know that we have the standard stages of grief, which now, you know, there's different ones. And I think my grief journey touched on each one of those, but to understand that everybody grieves differently. I actually went to a counselor about six months after Nicole passed away because I felt like I wasn't grieving properly. And she assured me there is no right or wrong. But that was the best thing that she could tell me because most people who are grieving, because we do grieve in such a personal, individual way, we don't know. We don't know what to do next. We don't know how things work and how our hearts work. And to know that it's not linear, there's going to be times that you're feeling like you're going back. But you're not. It's just a part of it. It's a part of the healing of your heart. And it takes a long time, but you can and you will be whole again.
0: So grief is the one part, but there must have been a lot of fear after the loss of your daughter, Nicole, fear for your other kids as well.
1: I have battled and still do battle fear a lot. I felt like the Lord has really helped me with that, but it was a big challenge, especially when they started driving, because what I ended up doing is trying to control every part of their life. Because in this weird way, I thought if I controlled this, I could keep them safe. And we know that that's that we know control is an illusion. We're not going to be able to control anything. We have very little control in our lives, just basically over our own choices. But I had to learn to give them to the Lord and just let go of that. Now, they still are great. If I know they're on a road trip, they're grown up, but they will text me. Okay, we're here, mom. I'm in this town. I'm here because they know it's something. I still battle. If I haven't heard from them, they'll text me. And that is just out of the goodness of their heart. But fear is something that, and it goes along with the courage part of it. I can be courageous. I can be brave because God is with me. It's kind of one of those things I have to remind myself. And part of that courage is letting them go and letting the Lord work in their lives, knowing that bad things happen. It's just part of life. And before Nicole passed away, I believed that if I was a good little Christian girl, bad things would not happen to me. I would not lose a child. Plus, God would never give me something I couldn't handle, like you had said. But that's not true. That's false theology.
0: Yes, it is. Let's talk a little bit about the faith journey. Talk a little bit about your, your own walk, because it sounds like you had the initial call and and felt close to God. And then there's been a, a kind of, a, I, I'd hate to use it, but maybe you would agree with it, a rebirth of your faith. Can we talk a little bit about that?
1: I became a Christian at a very young age. I was seven years old. My uncle was the pastor and he prayed the salvation prayer with me. And I became a Christian that day. But I became a seven year old Christian with a very limited capacity to know, to understand what I was being saved from. And then I met my husband, Larry, and our first date was to a church down in Southern California called Harvest. And during the invitation, I just felt the strangest inclination to go forward. And I'm thinking, I'm a Christian. But what I realized is the Lord was, I was, you know, 20, I think 21, 22, I felt like the Lord is going, okay, now this faith has to, you know, you have to start acting out in this faith and understanding what you're saved from. And so that, you know, my faith was pretty steady from then. Not that I didn't falter, especially in my teenage years, but when Nicole passed away, it had to be real. And I think about Job a lot in the Bible and at the end of all his trials, a man, he had just devastating circumstances in his life. But at the end, he said, I see God as if seeing him face to face. And oh, I have chills. That's how I feel. I truly feel like I can see him as face to face. It's not on my own merit. He has just allowed me to be on this walk with him. But because of that, he has made himself so incredibly real to me. And also part of that is carrying me through my grief, because again, it's a miracle. So
0: for someone who's listening, and and they may not be followers of Jesus Christ, they may not be following the Lord, and they're going, that's good for you. But your story is also transcending others, because people may not have had to go through the loss of a child like you have had to endure. But God is real in so many other areas of our lives as well.
1: Yes, he is. And really, at some point in everybody's life, they are going to have hard stuff happen, I hope it's not losing a child, but there comes points in our lives that we realize that there's more. And I think everybody is called at one point and to realize that there is more in this life than what we see, you know, scripture talks about, um, think, um, think on things that are unseen. Well, because everything that we in our lives, we kind of forget that that's not all there is. We think, oh, there's my desk, there's this, there's my car. These are, this is it. But there's so much more and that the Lord is calling us to a life and freedom. And it's not just so we can go to heaven. Heaven is going to, going to be amazing, but it's so we can experience peace and hope and joy here on earth. So we can experience in the midst of our deepest grief, we can experience <laughs> hope at the same time. And he offers that to everyone. And it doesn't matter where you've been what you've done, nobody is too far. Nobody is too far. And it's not about being religious. It has nothing to do about religious religion. It has everything to do with the relationship that God gives us. It's not about going to a you know a fancy church with stained glass windows. It has nothing to do with that. But it has everything to do with just allowing God to kill your brokenness at whatever place that is.
0: As we're speaking, I work at a Christian radio station, and there's a song we we play it's called the goodness of god and it mm-hmm. says all my life you've been so faithful mm-hmm. and as we're speaking kim that's all i hear from you is you're you're mm-hmm. proclaiming the goodness of our heavenly father for those who don't know that goodness who may have grew up with religiosity or have never known god as their heavenly father how can you speak to them today trying to touch their heart
1: i would say that especially as it pertains to a father God is referred to as our father. And some people may not have that earthly example, or they may have even had a negative example, but that is not the father that he is. He is loving that song, you know, his goodness, his goodness is coming after me. That song you mentioned, I love that song. And it challenges everything that we think of earthly as a father or as religion, but he is there and he is good and he is good always. He was with me when Nicole passed away, but he was with me when I was a three-year-old. He has carried me through each thing and he comes after me in my brokenness or in the depths when I was running from him and rebelling from him. He came after me during those times. And so I would just encourage anyone that doesn't know him, just ask him, ask him, are you there? You know, show me and seek him. And I believe that you will experience freedom like you've never experienced.
0: Your book, again, Victorious Heart, where can people get it? First and foremost, and as well, for those who say, well, I, I again, I haven't experienced the loss of a child. Your book speaks to more than just one idea.
1: Yes, you can get Victorious Heart anywhere books are sold. Amazon is, you know, you just put Victorious Heart, Kim Peacock, and it'll pop up. It's also available, there's a link on my website, my website's wildvictoriousheart.com. But I would say we all experience grief or sorrow and loss. It can be the loss of a dream. It can be a rebellious child that has walked away from the family. Broken relationships, oh, that's that's a uh, loss that is that runs deep. These principles in the book, they speak to all of that. They speak to the loss that we experience even now in our world with some of the world events that are happening. So it walks you through, maybe not specifically, but it just walks you through how to handle some of those things, how to handle even specific things like birthdays, anniversaries, those kind of things. I believe that it can be helpful to anyone.
0: You touched on it. I'm going to end with this. The last two years during this pandemic, we have had to relearn a lot. And there's been a lot of people living in isolation. Can you speak to that person who may be grieving solely and not letting others in? Can you talk to them in the last couple of minutes? Mm
1: -hmm. Isolation is a devastating thing, especially when you're, you're grieving when you are separated from others. And so I would encourage anyone that even if you're still in isolation to be reaching out. It's very, very important. If we don't reach out to others, we're going to die on the vine. We need to have whether you're on the phone with someone, a Zoom call, FaceTime, please reach out. And then on the other side, if you know someone who is kind of suffering in silence, reach out to them. Don't think that you're going to bother them. The biggest thing in grief when you have a friend that's grieving or afraid is you need to show up for them, even if it's sticking flowers on their door, calling them, sending cards. So that's what I would say for sure.
0: Kim, we could go on forever. We really could. It seems, it, you know, it seems like we just met each other, but we could have a great old conversation for another hour. But our time is coming to a close. First and foremost, thank you so much for being gracious with your time and joining us on Refuge Freedom Stories.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: I fix my eyes on the things unseen. Fix my eyes on the things unseen Oh, I fix my eyes on the things unseen fix my eyes on the things unseen. Oh, I fix my eyes on the things unseen. Oh, I fix my eyes on the things unseen. Oh, I fix my eyes on the things unseen.